Hello, I'm Dolly Duran, and you're listening to Wake Up and Be Awesome Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new here, well, so are we, so welcome aboard. This is what you can expect. Once a week, I'll be interviewing a different person, someone whose journey I find inspirational, and hopefully you will too. Most of the people I consider mentors and friends, but some guests will be new to me as well thought leaders, and motivational influencers whom I look up to. I plan to post a new episode each Monday. I think you're going to like what you're about to hear. However, I'm always open for feedback. I hope you will learn something new from every guest I have on the podcast, as I know I will. Today is a very special day, as I have my very first guest on this podcast. Her name is Dr. Lisa Smith. Lisa holds a PhD and is an associate professor who teaches psychology, statistics, and research courses. She also happens to be a personal friend of mine. Lisa is also a certified hypnotherapist and owns and operates Creative Solutions, through which she helps many people overcome trauma from PTSD, physical and emotional abuse, and other issues. Lisa is also a published author. She wrote a book called Overcome Trauma, Using the Breath of Life. And Lisa is the founder of RightToConsent.com, a sex crime data collection website, which was designed to encourage survivors of sexual assault and rape to report the crime to law enforcement. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited. <laughs> so are we. That's a long list of accomplishments, girl. I, I try. I just just got my trademark certificate, and I was trying to print it out today. I'm just Did you start you. when you were two years old? I mean, come on. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. All joking aside, Lisa, why trauma? But first, can you define like what is considered trauma for an individual? Oh, wow. Um, trauma is so many things. If you get in a car accident, you're in the passenger side and uh, you get into a car accident and now you are so afraid when a car comes over too close to you and you don't want to sit in the front, that's trauma. But um, the other reasons is that there's a lot of people who have... Uh, emotional, physical abuse um, that uh, relates to domestic violence. But on a personal note, um, sexual trauma is very close to me because there are four girls and the statistic says that one in four will be sexually assaulted before the age of 18. Well, that's different for my case. My sisters, all three of my sisters were sexually assaulted, one by her boss. And she was in her 30s when that happened. So it is something that I will spend a lifetime fighting. But more importantly, I have so many students that I am the only one who knows sometimes that they've been sexually assaulted and they're stuck. Trauma is such that if you have been emotionally abused, if you have been um, verbally put down, you get stuck at that space. And oftentimes you can find adults who still act like they're 11 
if there is some trauma there. You have a 40 year old who, if they were uh, traumatized at 20, they're stuck there. They don't know it, right? And so they have this emotional decision that they made at that point of trauma that they're not conscious of. And that's where the hypnotherapy comes in. We go back to that point in time and we make a new decision. And sometimes it's just that I'm not gonna breathe. Most of my students have trauma. I can just go around the room and see whose body is shaking when we are reviewing a lesson. And that tells me there's some anxiety and trauma there. So- Wow, that is deep. (laughs) That is very, very deep. Yes, so I have made it my mission. One, because most of the time when people say they're hurting, that the people they're telling that they're not listening. They're not listening. And that is what I hope that I can reach many people with. Just listen to them. Don't pass judgment. Just listen. Because a lot of times, they, you're the one they picked to verbalize it to. You might be the only one. And if you are the only one and it goes badly, they're not going to confide in people sometimes mm. for the lifetime. So, yeah. And sometimes they'll act out or, you know, it manifests in different ways, right? Right. And the acting, many people think that because kids act out, it's just kids. No. I always see adults acting badly. Always see adults acting badly. I show people adult temper tantrums all the time. It doesn't stop because we add numbers. Sure. And aside from temper tantrums, like in what other ways does that trauma manifest in adulthood? Well, it's just the way in the delivery, the way in which they talk to one another, the way the the, the lack of compassion the lack and uh, what we would call a sensory trigger. You have someone who, it, it could be a very loving um, situation, but yet they're angry and explosive, or they're misreading and misperceiving what's being said. And remember, perception is reality. Yeah. So I could say, I can say that's not what's happening, but that person is like, but that's how I feel. So a lot of times they just need to be validated to say, "Hun, you're safe. I'm not judging you. And that's absolutely not, the, uh, that, not what I'm meaning or meaning to express to you. So please. And why is it so difficult for people to do that? You know, something so simple as just extending a little kindness. Like, why do you think it's so difficult? We don't, I mean, we don't get a book that says this is the best way to listen and communicate when someone is hurting, especially if that person is triggering them for old, old behaviors. We gravitate unconsciously to old familiar patterns. Absolutely. Usually marry our father or as someone who acts exactly like our brother. Right. So, and so we keep manifesting these new um, traumas and we're and we're wondering why okay why do I always feel so worthless right mm-hmm. because that person can't really um, give you and, and 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 that's the thing we're not taught how to be compassionate to one another that's what I think is a ultimately yeah right? we don't know 
when we see each other's pain, sometimes we're predatory. Mm. And we look at it as a weakness and a reason to um, be dismissive and say that this person isn't worthy, right? And there's this thing that we're not allowed to be vulnerable in the professional setting. When people see that, they pounce like lions and cougars and things like that. So um, that's, that's, that's just what I think. Um, sometimes I have to say, you know, it's funny. A lot of people don't even accept a compliment. You know, you have to say. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Hey, thank you. They will, they will talk you out of the very compliment you just gave them. So you'll say, oh, that was a great workshop. Well, you know, I couldn't have done it without these people. And, you know, some, instead of saying, oh, you really liked it, thank you, then that's acceptance. Even someone who... But wait has, a minute. What if, what if they're showing gratitude? I mean, that can be them showing gratitude? For that, that could, but, but to show gratitude, you have to be receiving, too. Gratitude is... Mm. Uh, a, pow a very powerful tool, but a lot of people aren't receiving. How can you receive the gratitude that, pe that you just brought to someone if you don't say thank you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If, if you don't acknowledge, I mean, the first person that has to acknowledge that you have done a good job is you. Yeah, yeah. You got to right? have self-confidence. And then the gratitude comes. Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And gratitude could be expressed in so many ways. I mean, a lot of people express gratitude by giving to others. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me about the life changing event when your mother got sick. Well, in 2017, in December, my mother had a stroke. She laid on the floor probably for seven to eight hours before. Her husband came home and uh, when I heard about it, I was numb, not just numb. I couldn't move. Oh my God. Um, I sat on my bed because I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to hear that. I had spoken to her probably the night before and I wasn't expecting that. And I knew I had to get to the hospital, but I, I, I could not move. Now, mind you, I am a therapist. I have been, for many years and they always tell you oh do this do this do this no some of us will fight some of us will flee some of us will go into shock and not move so as a result um she couldn't talk she couldn't walk she was having these psychotic breaks where she was screaming she was knocking over stuff i mean she was beating up people and oh, i just knew that um I just knew that I wasn't, you know, I talk to my mom every day. She gives me a lot of <laughs> hardcore advice. So um, when that happened, you know, I had, we lost her. And uh, uh, we didn't think that she was going to ever come back to who she was. Oh, oh. So, oh that's traumatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um so she she had gone into ICU and she had told me the night before she was like I'm just tired and I was telling her you know well, you don't have to stay you know I'm not I don't want you to stay if you're too tired and so I expected that she was going to die that night she went into ICU they saved her 
And then she started fighting her way back. And in the process, her husband left her. So I became her, well, decided he was leaving her. And I became her caregiver. And, um, oh gosh, she got me crying. And, um, sorry if I, oh no, it's okay. It's okay. okay. And so I became, um, I had to help her find the will to live because, um, like I said, she couldn't, she couldn't talk. She could shake her head. She could, you know, she, she she was broke. That's really serious. Right, right, right. She wasn't walking. Um, and I mean, it was, it, I had bought her a wheelchair (laughs) and she was like, I'm not using that. (laughs) So how, how was the process? Like, how did you help her to, because I saw your mom last year at your birthday party and your mom looked awesome. Resilient. Yes. Yes. She's resilient. She is resilient. So, um, a couple of years before I, I was diagnosed with blood clots and, um, the medication they put me on um, was giving me, um, was stopping my heart from, um, my v- right ventricle from opening. And I was like, look, you give, you're giving me medication that's causing another problem and, and I can't breathe at night. So I moved over to um, holistic methods. And because I was fighting for my own well-being, I was like, oh no, we're going to look to see what she needs. And we are going to find natural alternatives. So that's exactly what I did. We had to find out what was going to cause her to have another stroke. And so we had to clear up our arteries. And um, the craziest thing, and if you ever have anybody who has ever had a stroke, I looked everywhere on the internet for how you deal with stroke patients who, who lose their voice. And I came across something in the UK that said he listened to bird chirping, nature sounds. And that's how he was able to get his speech back. And so um, the, the craziest thing is my mom had put herself into a selective coma and the doctor came in and she was in the hospital probably like 25, 30 days. And he came in and he said, she's, she's awake but she's not eating she's not she but she's in a self-induced coma and so i found i didn't even know that was a thing yes yes and and um that's when they decide they are going to shut their bodies down so i played this tibetan new chime music and this and these and these chirping birds and she came out of it and that's how I knew oh. I, couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't hit it from a, a medical model. I had to go in a different direction. And that's why you see, see her. That's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like mind blowing, incredible yes. stuff. Yes. So for me to um, make sure my mom was still here, I had, I had to, I had to go and find people who did something totally Totally. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. If this doesn't blow up just because of that, I don't know what will. <laughs> Dr. Lisa, yes. people, you heard her here first. Wake up and be awesome. That's why she's here. Right? Case in point. Yes. Thank you. My goodness. Yes. We're going to keep going because, you know. Wow. So, yes. Lisa, 
you say you don't have faith in modern medicine. Can you right. explain why? Tell us why. Okay, so after my mom had a stroke, my father got prostate cancer. And um, the thing is, is that he had spent many years fighting diabetes. And they ended up giving him a drug called Prekazone. He had gone through the chemo. Everything was beautiful. It was like they kept asking him. Uh, they kept asking him, oh, my gosh, you are so different than most of our patients. They usually lose their hair. They're usually always sick. And he wasn't. That wasn't him. Um, and he had gone through chemo, and then they gave him Pregazone. And Pregazone blew him up 30 pounds and gave him diabetes. And he had spent years, years fighting diabetes to the point where he was taking insulin and then they had to increase it. And then, and then they had a shortage of insulin. Goodness. And then he was like, you're going to kill me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Putting all this stuff, you know, but what is that? I had gotten into this fight because I was like, look, you could do this another way. You don't have to do the chemo. And he was like, listen, this, I understand your Miss Natural Healing. This is the <laughs> way I've chosen to deal with this issue. Oh, and you know, God. you know, now he's like, I'm not taking that anymore. And he's found all these alternatives. He does intermittent fasting. He's like, I'm getting off this high blood pressure medicine. And so the three of us are in this fight because, like I said, I had blood clots and every, the medicine they were giving me was closing my right ventricle. And I was like, it wasn't doing that before. Right. <laughs> so it's like, right. you know, another life-threatening issue where now my heart doesn't even beat. I can't. You know, enough. No more pills. So that's where we are. Uh, I would go to, most of the time, what I, we're finding out, especially with my mom's issue, my dad's issue, is that it's a vitamin deficiency most of the time, and then it's something that's going on with the gut. So um, nobody is as hardcore as I am, um, but my mom is getting there. I mean, because she sees that the people that she was in the hospital with she speaks better than them. She's living on her own. She's Hello. doing you all know, I would listen to my daughter too if yeah, she brought does. some she, birds and that's she what she from a coma. She yeah. does. She, it was funny. It was birds. Yes, it was. It was incredible. Birds. Incredible. Seriously. <laughs> like, wow. I'm telling you yeah. that's going to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely what happened. It was the so, birds. Okay. That's awesome. So let's move on to something else you said okay. that you experienced an epiphany and you connected it to needing to create credibility or social proof in the global marketing by utilizing the internet talk to us about the internet yes so um my students are streamers this is generation z they're born after two thirds two thousand so 9 11 doesn't mean anything to them and so I'm a TV watcher. They don't watch TV. They stream, they do Hulu, they do all these other things. They're Netflix and uh -huh. chill kind of people. And I have one of those now. <laughs> what I realize is that if I'm going to relate to them, I can't give them my 1990s feel. 
right? I can't even, right on. even 2006, right on. I can't give them, right? I need to meet them where they are. And, right. and so, you know, they, they love Kylie Jenner. Now I am not big on the Kardashians, but I'm like, their hustle is strong. For <laughs> real, know? for real. You know, you gotta give them that, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if I'm going to be relatable, right? Because sure, I have great family and friends. I have a great network of people, but they're of a certain age. If you are going to be someone who is relevant, you need to bring everybody into the fold. And all my students, they walk around with digital phones in their hand. If it's not a phone, it's a, it's a tablet. Yeah. And, you know, they don't use laptops. I'm telling you, if I tell them to bring their devices, it's the phone or it's a tablet. Okay. So, and what was happening was I had a practice that was standalone, but many people were like, do you have another alternative? My husband can't get here. I can only bring my son because I also um, see couples and their and families as well. Okay. And so I transitioned to online virtual sessions because they can all, even if her husband can't be there, Zoom is on your phone. It's a mobile app. Sure. So he can be in one place, her son in another, and she can be in a, and then we're all still connected and having a session. Yeah. So it's just that I really do not believe that work and professional life is always going to be outside of your house. I believe that everything that's happening is about the digital world. And if you're not plugged into the digital marketing, if you're not plugged into the way in which your audience, your tribe is looking for you, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it big time because sure, sure. you can reach so many more people in the digital world than you could going to a face-to-face. I would go to a class. I might have 40 students. That's it. I could, I could do a And you have the freaking world, right? Exactly. At your <laughs> exactly. Beautiful thing. Yes. I exactly. agree. And, and I'm, that's also something I'm learning in this journey. And I very much appreciate it, you know? Right. Uh, exactly. So absolutely. I have people who are in like Sri Lanka. I did a, it was, it was funny. I did a stress reducing breakfast. Uh, you know, with the breath of life and within, and I just posted it. I didn't even, you know, wasn't for pay. It was a series of slides with me talking and, and then doing breathing exercises that I created. And, uh, by, it was like over the Christmas holiday and like 300 people had enrolled. And I was like, what? And now I have close to 10,000 people and mind you, I have talked to no one. I have had not one conversation with anyone. Out of wow. the almost 10,000 people that are enrolled, I have maybe had four questions over the past maybe three years. And it's like, wow, I don't know these people, but yet I'm, they're still being touched by me in some way. I think it's a very powerful. Yeah. So how do you plan to take that to the next level? Well, um, I plan to uh, do sensitivity trainings, especially in the world of Me Too. You have so many people that are completely insensitive, 
you have hotels, uh, not hotel, I'm sorry, you have hospital staff that are, some of the words they use, I, I plan to take that training, I plan to create modules and courses, and I plan to sell them to state, um, state and local governments. So if I'm talking about sexual assault, I want to hit sexual assault for I want elementary students in a public school district to all have the same training that I created. So that's what I want to do, but it's all online. I don't need to be there. I don't need to come to all the numerous schools. I just need to talk to the states and say, you need this because this is a problem. Uh, if, Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, is that they don't want to talk to kids about sex, but in my upcoming book, um, uh, America's, uh, I'm trying to get this title worked out. America's <laughs> attitudes towards attitude sexual assault and rape. The people that I've interviewed, they were, they were raped at five, mm. right? And that's a child's sexual identity for life, right? That, you know, so it's, it, I have a seven year old who was gang raped by her brother's friends, right? So, if you're not talking to elementary school kids, I don't care what you think about sex. This is about safety, right? So that's how I'm gonna hit it. That's where I'm gonna hit it. That's my next big project. I am going to use the digital platform to get this out there because you won't have someone, I mean, like I said, they care about the stat at 18. What about all those years before, the 11-year-old, the 8-year-old, the 6-year-old, you know, what about them, right? If you're not talking to them about that at all, if they don't even know, you know, because they're being groomed with candy. And how do you talk to a 6-, 7-year-old about that? What do you say? Well, you ask them, has anyone, well, you start with, um, you know, this is your body and it's yours. And no one should touch you here, not even mommy or daddy, or no one should touch you. And you, and you show them the different areas, mm -hmm. right? Because at the same time, young kids are exploring their body. They need to know that I'm not trying to alarm you but there will be people who will try and give you candy just so they yeah. can touch you in these places. And, and like teach them boundaries, obviously. Exactly, yeah. especially boundaries with their bodies. But yeah. the thing that most, I mean, I have a girlfriend who works in um, elementary schools and these five and six and seven year olds are touching each other. Oh goodness. You know, but they so, learned that somewhere. Exactly, exactly. So the child that's being exposed to inappropriate behavior brings it to school. They're highly provocative. You can always tell which child is highly provocative. And like I said, in the interviews that I conducted, there, uh, there was a young male who was saying he kept getting in trouble because he was exposed to his older cousin who was like 11 he was five now six years difference right both under 18 right because 
he was being exposed to it. It felt good to him. He didn't think anything was wrong. And so he'd go to his little friend's house with other little girls and he'd start touching them inappropriate. And so he, they'd get kicked out oh and they'd God. have to talk to the mom. But he's not, he's thinking, well, what's wrong with me? And look how it spreads, you know? Exactly. It's awful. Exactly. And he said that happened before he was even nine. Right? And so now we've created this sick cycle. And all we need to do is tell, have told that five-year-old, this, this is, is your body. Right. This is it, your body. <laughs> yes. It's a boundary. But if someone touches you there, it's wrong. Incredible. Incredible. Yes. Incredible. And they we don't need to know. spread that message. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know. We need to spread that message for sure. They don't know. Oh. This is this great organization called Lawrence Kids. And, you know, she's getting a lot of flack. But she's go, she's she's going into the elementary schools and she has these animations where they're talking about it. You have and, and people think, you know, these are not conversations you should have with a five or six or seven year old. I say, oh yes, you should if they're the ones who are being victimized. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, unfortunately. You like know? I said, that's my mission. Um, you know, when I was younger, I was probably I was in the house when one of my sisters was being sexually assaulted. So I feel um, guilty, you know, mm. because um, one, she didn't tell me until she was in her forties. Right. Mm. But um, I feel like, gosh, I probably was in the next room. Yeah, you know? but... and, and like I said, she's young. She was young. Yeah. So yes, that's how you that's how you tell you, you you tell them about the boundaries of their body, and you also tell them how people might give them candies, and you know, the price they pay is a very big price. Very because, big price, very right? big price, and then the cycle, you know, like we right. identify it. Right. Horrible. So what happens during hypnotherapy? Tell us about that. Sure, hypnotherapy is a really powerful tool. The reason why I use hypnotherapy and I shy away from the talk therapy is because how many times have you ever gotten in your car, thought about all these things, stopped in traffic, did this, and were in your mind, what we call the divided conscious space. You stopped at a light, you were in traffic, and you were spinning. Your head was spinning and you're daydreaming about all the things that you're going to do, what you're going to cook for dinner, what you're going to, how you're going to, and then you get home and mind you, You've been in traffic, you've stopped at lights, you've passed all these places, and you are still in this divided conscious space. The daydream, right? You can daydream on long, that's what we use. But the reason why it's so powerful is because your subconscious hides information from you. And I'm gonna prime you right now. I'm gonna show you exactly how this is gonna happen. You know how to ride a bike? Of course. Okay. So, um, what color was your bike? Your, the, your first bike? And who taught you how to ride? My dad. I don't remember the color. <laughs> now, here's the crazy thing. Do you know where you were when you were riding the bike? Yes. Okay. Now, mind you, we just had a full-fledged conversation. And so that information is back there. I can prime you for it, and you, it's going to take you straight back to that point in time. 
sure. but it wasn't in your awareness. So that's your subconscious taking that information, taking that sensory memory and locking it away for you. But when somebody experiences trauma, the exact same thing happens. It's going to code it and record it. Just like you're recording this, it's going to record it by smell, taste, touch, hear, and feel, right? <clears throat> when you go back to that trauma, if you were someone who was powerless, you're going to make a decision about what's happening. And that decision is now, if you find yourself feeling that vulnerable or that victimized, now you're going to start replaying that that decision over and over again. And you're gonna wonder why, why don't you speak up? Why don't you um, act differently? And so a lot of people don't understand some of these decisions they made. Just imagine when you made that decision to learn how to ride that bike, you were young. But many of these decisions that we've, de we've decided that this is how we're gonna handle it, we were kids. We were teens who had very little tools in our resource box. And, um, and so we're getting stunted, right? We can't see ourselves past a certain point. We, get, we, we have these boundaries and hindrances and obstacles that, you know, it keeps coming up and the same thing keeps playing out. And you're like, well, why do I keep, I know better, but I'm not doing better, uh -huh. right? And so, you it's almost like you're making these subconscious contracts that you're not aware of and they're playing out as responses in your in your social and professional life and sometimes wow. it just takes going back to where you made that and you can't do that with talk therapy you will dance around it someone who comes in and they're like listen this is why i'm here i want to talk to you about this and this and this and this and this yeah. and then i'll prime them just like i primed you mm. now hypnosis you don't have to go deep There's a lot of times it's like a guided meditation right mm. and it's like you go through a uh a maze in your mind but you have to you have to give your body permission to expose it to you and then you go in you see where you lost your voice where you were powerless and then you validate you realize that there's no way you could have acted or responded any differently because you didn't have the tools you make a new decision yep. and now now you're fearless right now you're powerful not powerless now you're worthy not worthless and huh. sometimes that, that takes two sessions wow Right? That's incredible because with talk therapy, it's like some people years. go for a year. Years. Talking. You're still talking. Years. Come on. A, exactly. A good talk is good. You know, it's cathartic, but yeah. hey, you know, two sessions, that's, that's pretty good, you know, to take. Right? The thing is that it's based on, you know, I'm no longer a victim, you know? Right. I'm right. For this, you know? Right. And you're able to, you know, you empower yourself, right? Right. Right. It's yeah, just the way, I mean, it's just the physiological responses that we've decided are best for us. Right. So All that's right. hypnosis. That's why I love it. Yeah. And a lot of times I have people, sometimes I just teach them to breathe. Mm. And they're so, yep. they're, they're so happy because some people have been walking around not breathing and they've cut themselves. Oh my away. gosh. And uh, exactly. And just sometimes... If you can't change here, you start with the physiological, 
you know, right. and that makes you just more receptive and open because it all starts with breath. I mean, you right. know, that's the source right. of life. That's the source right. of life. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that too. I love, you know, breathing exercises and meditation and yoga. I'm all right. about that. Right. Okay. But the people who have, the people who are like really stuck, they stop breathing for a minute, sometimes two minutes. Wow. That's so incredible. Sometimes you just got to bring them back into their body and bring them oxygen. And there's some oh. really great techniques to bring that oxygen right back in. Okay. Is that something you want to teach quickly or is that for oh, another? Oh, that's an easy one. Okay, oh, let's do right. it. Let me yes. show you how it goes. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing I want you to do, we call it the one-two breath, right? So you're going to, when I say one, you're going to pull in all the air in the room. So it's like, hold it, hold it in the back of your throat and then exhale it out of your nose, but dump it into your stomach and out your body okay and so we just do it very quickly um we either go really slow and then we speed it up so every time i say one you pull in hold it to the back of your throat two dump it through your nose and into your stomach let it go two now i'm just gonna say one two one two one Two. One. Two. Now, if you don't feel lightheaded, right? Then we go fast. You ready? One. Two. One. Two. One. Two. One. Hold it. Now push it straight down your shoulders and down your legs. Let it go. And that's it. That's it. Just uh, that air throughout your body. <clears throat> and we go really fast. And then if you close your eyes, then it gives you that lightheadedness. And then we just ask the body for permission and access. And there's other ways in which you could get to the subconscious. Your dominant hand, which in the case is my right hand, that's the social um, construct, right? That's the way in which people lie to themselves. This is the fakeness. This is what society wants from you. Okay. You go to your less dominant hand and you ask some of the hard questions. Most people can't write with their less dominant hand unless they're ambidextrous. But if you go to your less dominant hand, they're like, oh, I can't read it. I said, I don't need you to read it. I just need you to know the word that you found. Because the word you use with your right hand is not going to be the word you come up with with your, with your left. Really? So, so I call your right hand, your society. Yes, yes. Okay. Hand, right? uh -huh. Or I call your dominant hand, your, your fakeness. And I call your less dominant hand, your realness. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that's what, I mean, because we all wear a facade. This is what we're showing to the world, right? Uh -huh. But that's not who we are. And what does the actual exercise look like? So we usually take a circle and we put a big X through it, right? And so I might ask some questions like love and I ask them to write very quickly three words. And then the next word is sex. And then the next word is success. And then the next word is failure because when you make this big X in this circle, you get four points where you can write in. But you're gonna be writing with your less dominant hand. 
And if you find a word that keeps recurring through love, sex, success, and failure, then, you know, that's your subconscious trying to tell you you need to work on that. Hmm. Or your subconscious will bring up something that you haven't thought of or someone you haven't thought of in a long time. And mind you, it doesn't matter if people are watching because you, your, your words aren't legible anyway, right? Okay. That's not it. But you, even though they're not legible, you know what you wrote. You know what's there. And if you find a pattern, something that keeps popping up, then that's what you want to work on, even though you don't, you're wondering, why did I write that? Wow, that sounds so interesting. Yeah, there's so many, so many different techniques to get the subconscious to start telling you, we need to work on this. We need to work on this, yeah. Right. We need to address this. Yeah. So, yeah, I love people, because here's the thing, when I do hypnosis, they don't, they don't ever need to tell me what happened. They just need to go there. And yeah, mind. absolutely. Yeah. There are but times they where, want to tell you, right? They want right, to, right, and it's, it's not required. It's not required. It's not they're required because they're right. doing all the work. Yeah, right, right, and that's all I care about. Let's do the work, right? Let's get the work done. So there are times where I have seen person three times. I have no clue what's happening in their hypnotherapy, but they're like, "I'm ready to go back. I'm ready to go here," and so, like I said. I call it like peeling an onion because once you get access to those sensory memories, like I said, hear, taste, touch, smell, and feel, uh, you can't stop the flood of information that comes afterwards. Okay? okay. And so I'll have people who will do hypnotherapy. They'll think of someone. They'll have a conversation with someone. And before they leave my office, that person will call them. Oh, wow someone they might not have heard of, heard from, from in yeah. years, right? So it's, I feel like there's something spiritual also happening. Absolutely. That's like as the they, law of attraction. Right. As they get that access. And talk therapies to me is not that cool. <laughs> it's, <laughs> great. it's great. But like I said, if I prime you, as I was talking to you about the bicycle, I see myself riding this bike five years old my bike is red it's a big red bike I hit a house <laughs> you know but I wasn't thinking about that until I primed you wow so it's, it's all there you see your body's been with you through every experience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel and like do you think or have you ever worked with someone who perhaps doesn't know if they had trauma yes yeah, this is what we call repressed memories. It was funny because all, all of the students that take my introductory psychology class, they get exposed to it. Those who wish to stay, I don't force anybody to do anything. Um, but this young woman was telling me how she works with kids and she knows how to swim. But every time she got in the three foot with the kids, she was in a panic mode. She was in a complete and total panic mode. And she, it was almost like she was drowning and she couldn't, uh, she couldn't understand why, because she knew how to swim, right? And she, she had a younger child and she was, she was like, I don't understand why I get in this, in this pool and I'm not even in the deep end and I'm panicking. 
And so I said, okay, let's do this exercise. And there's a lot of stuff online that you can do. And um, we, did, we did a hypnotherapy. Um, it's, a, it's a group setting where everybody's there, but she's drowning in the classroom. She's drowning in the classroom. And like I said, <laughs> the horrible thing, and I hate to keep bringing this up, um, but her cousin had sexually assaulted her in three feet of water, mm. but she couldn't swim at the time. And when he was done with her, he pushed her out into the deep end. And it was her flailing and screaming and somebody else who came to get her right? But she had repressed it. It was gone from her memory and she hadn't revisited it. Wow. And it happened, right, like I said. And so there it is, right? Incredible. And so I feel like this. I don't know why the students are sitting in my class, but there's nobody on that campus that does what I do. And if they end up in my class, it's usually there's a trauma. And then they're only there for that hyp hypnotherapeutic group therapy session and I call it the um, other side of perception. So what we do, it's like you get spirit animals and you go up into ethereal space, you bring white light and you create this bubble. And then you go down these, these corridors. You go into the past, the present, the future. You could pick any room. You get a bag full of money and you have these different little obstacles. So I might put them in the boat and the boat and a boat suddenly starts taking on water and they've got this little toolbox this little bag and inside the bag is something that'll help them plug the hole and then they'll get across and that'll become their first hurdle but that hurdle is not really the water coming into the boat it's something that's happened present day that they're fighting against and they usually get three hurdles and then they'll get and they have to get the boat over to the other side and then they'll get to this mailbox. This mailbox has their name on it. And inside the mailbox is the key. And so now they need to find out where, where does this key go, right? And so then they get into this room and they hear these footsteps. All white room, everything, everything. The windows are white, the chairs are white, the table is white, and they hear these footsteps. They get louder and louder and louder, and somebody they haven't seen in a long time. So, like I said, each person's experience is different. Mm -hmm. And even when they get their animals, their animals, you get four animals one to the front, the left, the back, uh, the right, and when you go and find out, like my animal is a big bear. I have a big bear, I have a ferret, like I don't know, but I'm a little, <laughs> I, have, I have a eagle who has a wingspan of like eight feet and wow. I have a wolf, I have this big gray wolf. But when you go and you look up the personality, each one of them has different aspects of who I am, right? I can get myself in trouble like the ferret, but I could get out of it right <laughs> get out of it <laughs> and that bear when i am that's my public persona right and i i mean and if i love you i am the biggest bear and i will not let anybody mess with you at all <laughs> oh, mama bear so this wolf who's like a pack <laughs> you know i'm a pack i'm a pack because family is very important to me so you know that would that's kind of like 
you know, I don't want anybody to get alarmed. That's kind of like, I mean, it's your mind and you have all that stuff there. And I just yeah. hope you organize it. That's I just right. Organize it. And reconcile it to move forward. Right. You know, exactly. it's like, come on, exactly. it's, there's only one way to go and that's forward. <laughs> right. Because we all I have a story it. to tell, right? We sure. Do. Absolutely. And some of it is hugely painful, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that it should hold you back. Forever. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, we've gone a little bit over, but I hope you'll just indulge me a little bit. Oh, I don't mind. One more. Oh, thank you so much. Sure, You're awesome. Sure, sure. Um, uh, why is being assertive important? Oh my goodness. I watch my, I call them my babies, right? And they're not my babies, right? But I watch my students give away their power. I watch my friends give away their power every day when they're looking for validation. Mm. And, you know, people talk about fake it till you make it. I don't really like that. Mm. I believe that, I believe that <clears throat> you gain more power when you feel powerful. Faking it doesn't make you powerful. And when you are faced with a real challenge, you are going to, um, some people just won't, won't rise to the occasion, right? So fake it till you make it is only part of it but the assertiveness is so important because it teaches people about boundaries it teaches people okay you can say that once but i'm not going to allow you to say it twice right. right and so just saying well that you know i find i was offended by that right and a lot of people think that because they're offended the conversation stops there but it shouldn't it right. should make it should it should make a, a hearty a heartier conversation exactly it's just a conversation you are learning to ebb and flow with each other right so yeah. if you don't set appropriate boundaries that person will never know and if yeah. you're faking it if you're faking it and pretending it pre pretending that's not an authentic sure no i think that in terms of fake it till you make it um you know, when it comes to obviously, you know, setting boundaries for yourself, that's right. a priority. I mean, you know, you shouldn't do that. I've, you know, said fake it till you make it before, but what I refer to is repetition. Like sometimes I feel like people need um, affirmations, you know, right. so sometimes right. you got to train your brain, you know, mm -hmm. a certain, for a certain belief before you start to actually believing it, you know. But that's why faking it is a problem because your brain knows you're faking it. If, and like I said, your body's been with you all this time. You know, you're not confident. <laughs> you still get those bubble guts. <laughs> you still gonna get that bubble gut. <laughs> it starts with the physiological, right? The breathing. You exactly. gotta get the breathing right. Exactly. You gotta get the breathing right. That's exactly. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Here's the thing if you're faking it and you're in a, and you have beads of sweat, you can't stop the sweat, right? Sure, your sure. body knows you fake you're faking it and it's not going to stop that sweat you're gonna <laughs> i have watched people who have real anxiety sweat through their clothes in less than five minutes goodness right yeah <laughs> just, just breathe <laughs> breathe properly people it all starts with the breath i hope everybody learned something today i know i did Lisa, oh, thank you so much. I really, really, really enjoyed this. And it's just so appropriate that you were my first guest and I love you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, in, in, your, in your second year, have me back because I'm going to have more 
Little. Girl, we have so much to talk about. We didn't even get through everything. So there's definitely going to be a part two. Thank oh, you so perfect. much, Lisa. I would love to. I would love to. So you enjoy your evening. And Thank you. You too. Time. Sure. Bye. Bye.